so too Satan must release those who the Father has given to Christ that we too might serve Him. Secondly, the miracles of Moses. As we find them here in these opening chapters, we're quite familiar with them. I would think you have uh, the plague, so we say, of the water to blood. You have the plague of frogs. You have the plague of gnats. You have the plague of flies. You have the plague of the boils on the animals and man. You have the plague of uh, the livestock dying. You have the plague of hail. You have the plague of locusts. You have the plague of darkness hand of the Lord. Why are those plagues, why is Moses given from the Lord the power to perform these miraculous signs? What's the point? Well, it's really twofold. First, the purpose is to declare God's power over the Egyptian gods. This this is God at battle. But it's not really a battle, because there's really no one to oppose. There is only the figment of men's minds. There are only the gods that exist in men's hearts. God is doing battle against those thoughts and ideas that we read about uh, a few weeks ago and considered from 2 Corinthians. But he's not only seeking to prove that to the Egyptians. He's seeking by these plagues to demonstrate to his own people his power, his might, his sovereignty, his love, his care, his grace. These signs of Moses come as it were, to the world to show forth God's power and might and their refusal to acknowledge Him is the reason of their condemnation. But those signs also come to the people of Israel so that they might learn to trust the Lord their God, that they might learn to serve Him only, that they might learn to serve Him and Him alone with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their strength, that they might learn not to make a graven image amongst them. God is demonstrating His power, but He is also in these plagues demonstrating His firm determination to deliver His people from bondage. God is willing to strike the land. God is willing to strike the sky. God is willing to strike the animals. God is willing to strike the people of Egypt because of His passion and desire and love to bring His people out. God is determined to deliver. Even as we read in the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus Christ set His face like flint towards Jerusalem. 
He was determined to deliver you and I as His people. There is a second aspect that arises out of these plagues. And that's the hardness of heart that is on display. Let's just go on a little journey. Start with me at Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Exodus 5, 1 and 2. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. See the challenge that is laid down? I don't know this Lord of whom you are speaking, and I don't really care to know. And I'm not going to submit to some God that I do not even know. Miraculous signs begun to come. Pharaoh, let me show you who I am. Let me display for you my power and my might. What do we read? Chapter 7, verse 23. Pharaoh went, turned into his house. He did not even take this to heart. What had just happened? Water. The Nile had been turned to blood. Even this he does not take to heart. Now as the plagues continue, go with me. Exodus chapter 8, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a Respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Chapter 8, verse 19. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. Even the magicians who have been able to duplicate many of these signs finally admit when they cannot produce a little gnat, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said. Chapter 8, verse 32. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and did not let the people go. Chapter 9, verse 7. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he would not let the people go. Chapter 9, verses 34 and 35. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken. Through Moses. All this power, all this might, all this display, 
Yet he hardened his heart. No. I will not listen to the evidence that is given. No, I will not listen to the voice of the Lord. No, I will not repent. No, I will not let the people go. Does all of that, these plagues and this hardness of heart, is all of that a foreshadowing as well? Are we seeing in these chapters of 7, 8, 9, and 10, perhaps in in the expanded version as we go through each plague, that which took place when Jesus came to earth. Let me point out a couple of similarities between the two. First of all, there is the unbelief of the people. It's interesting that Moses is the first person in the Old Testament to perform a miracle. Do you know that? Adam, Noah, none of those who are listed in that line of Seth who lived those great advanced ages are ever noted as having they themselves performed a miracle. Nor Abraham, nor Isaac, nor Jacob, nor Joseph. The first one who who actually performs a miracle, a sign, is Moses. You have many people mentioned in the New Testament before Jesus begins his ministry. You have John the Baptist. But no miracle is attributed to John the Baptist. You have Zechariah and Elizabeth. No miracle is attributed to those two. You have Mary. No miracle is attributed to Mary. None to Joseph. None to the wise men. The first to perform a miracle in the New Testament is Jesus. First one. And yet, was what does the Gospel of John in John chapter 1 tell us? He came to those who were his own, but his own received him not. Here he comes as the one performing these miracles. Great miracles. Marvelous miracles. And his own received him not. It's kind of interesting that, that when the whole thing begins with Moses and Moses goes to those elders of Israel, they don't believe either. Nobody's willing to accept Moses as the one who's really going to be their deliverer. Nobody's really doing that in the New Testament with Jesus. In fact, even those who are the closest to him. Take your finger here in Exodus. Go with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're going to be at verse 45. 
Mark 6:45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out in the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. He came to that which was his own and his own received him not. Even his disciples, in the midst of, of, of what they're, 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 is terrifying to them, and, and here comes Jesus. Take heart, it's It's okay. Yet they don't grasp fully what is happening. Why? Because their hearts are hard. Go forward into the Gospel of Mark to chapter 8. Note that at the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus had just fed the 4,000. Okay? multiplying again fish and bread. Go to verse 14 of Mark 8. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. He cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? Here he was, the one performing these great miracles so that not only did the wind and waves need to obey him, but he is able to take seven loaves of bread and multiply them to feed 5,000 people, so that they have leftovers. And yet, their hearts remain hard. Luke chapter 10. Listen to this condemnation of Jesus. Luke 10, 13. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, 
they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. All those miracles done. All those healings. Yet, hearts remain hard. Book of Hebrews warns us. It warns us that we too lie in danger of having hard hearts. Hearts that refuse to acknowledge the power and might and sovereignty of God. Hearts that even though we witness and read of that which Jesus did, we're still clamoring over our daily bread. We're still worrying about the little things of life. We still have hearts that refuse to accept the totality of the fact that we have been let go. That we've been delivered from the hand of Satan. That we've been delivered from the bondage of sin. That we have been set free. We still have hard hearts. And Hebrews warns us that we need to listen and pay attention closer than the Israelites did. For the signs that God has given to us are greater than the signs that God has given to the people of Israel. How often isn't it that you and I when we study the Old Testament, when we go through a book like Exodus or we go through a book like Numbers or we go through the time of the judges or we go through the time of the kings and we just shake our heads and we say, how could these people, how could these people be so foolish? How could these people be so murmuring, so complaining, so rejecting of God? There he is performing miracles amongst them. Yet they worship golden calves. He opens up rock and sends forth water. And yet they'll still complain about a lack of water. He's delivered them from Egypt. He's opened up the Red Sea. He's brought them forth. They still complain they have nothing to eat. How often do we not say, O oh, ye of little faith? your deliverer. But that which Christ has done, my friends, is greater than that which Moses ever accomplished. And how often do we complain? How often do we grumble? How often do we not run after other gods? 
Do not harden your hearts. As the people of Israel did at Meribah. But even John the Baptist struggled, didn't he? Even that which Jesus had said, the man of whom Jesus had said, there is no, no greater man, no greater prophet who's ever appeared. Even he, Luke chapter 7, sent his disciples. Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one who is going to be our Messiah? Are you the one who is going to be our Savior? Are you the one who is our Christ? Are you the one who is the anointed? Are you the one? He's languishing in prison. Herod's put him there. He's wondering, where is this victory? Where is this deliverance? Are you the one? Jesus responds by saying to John's disciples, go back to John and tell him, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see. What's that answer supposed to mean? That answer meant, yes, John. I am the Messiah. Look at the miracles that I am performing. I am the one who has come to save my people. See, the works of Moses were there to deliver those people out of the bondage of slavery. The works of Jesus, the miraculous works of Jesus, are not there for our deliverance. Our deliverance is wrought upon the cross. Our deliverance is wrought through the shedding of Christ's blood. But the miracles of Jesus are there to testify of His grace. They're there to testify to you and I I am. They're there to say, I am your Savior. I am your Deliverer. See what I have done. Some of you may be thinking I'm making a little too much of the miracles of Jesus. Apparently the disciple John did not think so. Because when you read in John chapter 20, the following, okay, in verse 30, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. These signs, these miracles are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. 
Pharaoh saw all that God had done through Moses. And he hardens his heart. I will not let the Israelites go. The people of Jesus' day saw all that he had done, all his miracles. But really, in the end, very precious few really understood. It wasn't until that miracle of the Holy Spirit coming and causing that rebirth really understood. Now we have the Word. The Word comes to you this morning. Christ comes to you this morning. The one of these great miracles comes to you this morning. He says, do you believe? All of this has been recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of my miracles are there. These are written so that you may believe. Believe that I am your deliverer. Believe that I am your Christ. Believe that I am your Messiah. Believe that in me you will have salvation. Believe that I have come to let my people go. Do you know when John wrote that verse? He wrote it after the resurrection. There shall be no sign given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. The Son of Man shall be in the ground for three days. And after that shall rise again. This God has given so that you may have life in His name. We who by faith the gift of God. Believe in Christ. Have indeed been set free so that we may serve Him. God's people say, 